Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? You work on commission, right? Uh, yes. Big mistake. Big. Huge. You bunkers were a terrible idea. Why did you let us do that? It's so bad! Whitney Podcast. Here's Lucas and Cassie Whitney. Thanks, Lucas, for that lovely intro. Welcome back to the Weekly Whitney. We took a week off. We had some shit to do, and um, we wanted to kind of make it just one bigger, beefier episode. We got a lot to talk about, so we're going to get right into it. The first thing on our agenda is... There's a trailer for a new movie coming out this fall on uh, in theaters and HBO Max called The Many Saints of Newark. It is basically a prequel movie to The Sopranos. A, I, I would say a top, by most consensus, a top ten television show of all time. If not top five in some people's eyes. You know, it, Mine is the ending, yeah. It's very, very good. I'm still watching it, so I... I I haven't. I I know of the ending just because it's almost twenty years old. I know that it just ends, but we That's won't we won't name. we won't go into that. But um, Many Saints of Newark come is coming out this fall. You know, like I said, it's a prequel to The Sopranos, kind of like I think it's. It looks like it's an interesting plot. It stars the big the big hitters are Michael Gandolfini, yeah, James Gandolfini's son, as Tony Soprano. Which I think is really cool because he said he didn't really, he was pretty young when his dad did The Sopranos. So he didn't get to watch his dad as Tony Soprano until he was trying to audition for the role. And he said it was kind of, in a way, hurtful to see his dad like that, you know, just because he wasn't there. And by all accounts, James Gandolfini was a wonderful man. So I can believe that. But it's really cool that he gets to carry on his dad's legacy I think that's part of the brilliance of Sopranos was that you could tell that Tony was such a such a guy that maybe if he had grown up in different circumstances, he would be, like, a very well-respected citizen. Right. You know, but, like, he was born into the, into the mob. John Bernthal, who's from The Walking Dead, among other things, he is Johnny Boy Soprano, Giovanni Soprano, Tony's deceased father in the, in the show, Alessandro Nivola as Dickie... Moldesanti, who is Christopher Moldesanti's father, who is played by Michael Imperioli on the show. And I think the two best casting decisions besides Michael Gandolfini as his dad is Corey Stoll as Junior Soprano, um, Tony's uncle, Uncle Junior in the show. Um, Corey Stoll looks like a bald asshole 
and Uncle Junior is a bald asshole on the show, and they both have the same mannerisms. It's 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 the most perfect casting out of the whole show or movie. And you have Vera Farmiga as Livia Soprano, and she sounds she's got it nailed down. Absolutely. In in the trailer already, and the she's fake got nose and everything. Yep, she's got the fake nose and and all that. She's fan. She already looks fantastic as Olivia, and Olivia was like a low key a great villain in the first two and a half or two and a half seasons of the show. Wouldn't you agree? She she was a villain. I think she, she did was, not like Tony, especially because she's playing a mother. Yeah. So it's like a, a someone who traditionally is supportive, warm, loving, kind, and even somebody who might not have those qualities traditionally would have them towards their children, but. Not this bitch. <laughs> and it it's basically it's it's like a war in Newark, rival gang wars, the DeMeo family versus versus um, the Moldasanti family, I believe. And it's it's basically an origin story of how Tony Soprano became what we see in the show. And I'm only just under three or two and a half. I'm almost three seasons done with the Sopranos, and it's a six season show, but. You know, we started and we didn't watch it for a while, but I saw the trailer and I, I think that night we immediately started watching it again. It's an incredible show. And it's carried, obviously, by Gandolfini, but, like, you know, you have... I love Edie Falco as Carmela, And, yeah. you know, I think Lorraine Bracco's good as uh, Melfi, Dr. Melfi, the therapist. I think she's good in that role. But, you know, you also... Like, there's so many great supporting characters and... When we finish The Sopranos, I'll talk about it more because I'm sure I'll have to discuss what happens at the end. Because I remember, I think I was 16 or 17 when it ended, and everyone, like, this the reaction, like, the next day on the news, you know, because Twitter or Facebook weren't around, was just like, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah, it was a big deal. So, that's our thoughts on Many Saints of Newark. It comes out October 1st, 2021, so it's only, it's three months away. It's pretty close. We watched a Netflix special, Bo Burnham Inside. Now, I think Bo Burnham's an incredibly talented person. He's he's a very talented actor, comedian. He's a great writer. Like he's his songs are clever and they're not for everybody. And this special is <laughs> is not for everybody. It is basically him in quarantine for a year. And it's like a mental breakdown that you see him go through and the first 45 minutes I thought were pretty funny. Like there were some funny songs, but then the last 45 minutes to an hour were just like very meta and like self-exploratory and depressing and boring. And I didn't like the last 45 minutes, but if you could watch like maybe the first 40, 30, 40 minutes and turn it off, I think you'd like it. Yeah, I've, okay, so I know people who, like, one of my good friends really, really, really liked this special, and I can see, I can see why he liked it, because the aspects of satire are in there, and also talking about, um, you know, mental, mental health is important, especially during quarantine, that was a big deal for a lot of people, for most people, and, um, Obviously, like, the song was called White Girls on Instagram or a White Girls Instagram or whatever. That is very funny. <laughs> yeah. And I enjoyed that. Um, white Woman's Instagram. Yeah, White Woman's Instagram. 
That so there are some aspects that I can definitely understand why people like it. For me, flow is ninety percent of something I watch. So the fact that like I literally fell asleep, <laughs> it that speaks for itself. Because if it, if I was if I was supposed to be laughing the whole time, that certainly wasn't what happened. Right. And I mean, I guess that's fine that that's not what this was. Most like a traditional like this wasn't Eddie Murphy raw. Right? But, like, at the same time... I've never seen Raw. Well, but it's, like, a very famous comedy special. <laughs> right. So, like, but at the same time, I know he's a comedian. Right. I wanted to watch this to laugh and have a good time, and that's certainly not what this is. Minus, like, two parts. Yeah, I liked... White Woman's Instagram is, like, the peak of it, and I think his Jeffrey Bezos songs were funny, too. Um, I might have missed those. They were pretty funny. The sexting one is good. Unpaid interns, okay. FaceTime with my mom tonight was pretty funny. That was a good one. I enjoyed that, yeah. But again, that one, white girl Instagram was like actually laugh out loud funny. Yeah, like this. I was cracking none up. None of the, the other ones time. were like they were like, oh, that's clever. Like, yeah, you know that was their reaction, not like actually laughing. Right, I could tell what he was going for, and it is unique in terms of like he did it all by himself. Yeah, like he. It, the house is, it, well, it's a, it looks like an, a house, but I think it's like an apartment or whatever. It's a really small, like, house. It's just a mess. Like, it's full of cables, cameras, lighting, you know, p- a synthesizer, piano. That's what a studio would typically look like on right. set, but obviously that's a condensed space. I, I give him credit for trying something different, but I've watched his specials on Comedy Central, and I've, like, cr- I've laughed out loud almost the entire time. I remember when I was in middle school or high school, like, my brother and I would watch those and laugh so hard. He's, he's, he's... We thought he was hilarious. This doesn't take away from him being incredibly talented. It's just... It's just it's not for everybody. different. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Like, watch the first 30 to 40 minutes, and then once you start to feel like it's going to go in a direction you don't like, I, I, honestly, just turn it off. Save yourself the time. Because it was only 90 minutes, and I was sitting there looking at the clock like wow, when is this going to end? And it was only 87 minutes, but it felt like it was two hours. It felt like freaking ever. Yeah, like when the the way he edited is like, you think this last song is it? No. Then there's another one. Yep, then, then there's, there's another, another one. one. Um, but I mean, he is a good, he is very talented, so I will give him that. But um, not for everybody, but it's worth checking out. Like if you want to, if you want to get some good laughs and see something different, check it out. But like I said, after the first half, get ready to abandon ship also i guess if we're being realistic i think that he probably made this as more of a like a ode to how he felt during quarantine Mm -hmm. which is interesting because obviously that's a very unique thing that we all went through but when people think about quarantine and covid in 2020 they think about the political aspect and he only barely touched on that stuff right which i don't know if that was helpful or hurtful really yeah, like, he would talk about how he wanted to commit suicide during this, and he was just like, no, don't do it. You know, he, um... And it's pretty heavy. Yeah, it got it got a little heavy at certain points, but it wasn't, ter- it wasn't crazy. But, um, anyway, that's Bo Burnham Inside. It's on Netflix. The next thing on our agenda before we get into some media, other media is the Oscars. The Oscars set rules and regulations for the 94th Awards coming um, 
next year. I'm, I'm guessing. Usually it's February. Guessing late February or mid to late February. So the biggest thing, you know, the other things were just dates and eligibility of certain categories. But the biggest um, change is that they are in, in the last decade or so, they've kind of been fluid with nominating between five to ten movies for best picture and prior to that it was five it was five it was always five because the the year that sparked the outrage over just five was 2008 9 yep when the dark knight didn't get in yeah they put the reader in which which most critics said why the hell is this movie in here now kate winslet won an oscar for it but still not a great they said they said that people were saying that they the the academy was afraid that if the dark knight got in it was going to win best picture and they were afraid that it would set a precedent what i'm 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 paying attention it's just pregame but they were afraid that it would set precedent you know what i mean like they were afraid oh no oh no batman won best picture now transformers can win one next year it's like now i don't think that was it but it sparked an outrage and then the next year you had 2009-10 you had um man i think you had 10 i think they had 10 nominees there was the year that there's like had, up um, yeah a ton of different the year ones. that they had 10 was the first year that i think i tried to do like a bet with somebody about the oscars it was the first year i was very like actively involved in it yeah and uh <clears throat> it was it was very interesting it, it was hard for them to, i remember reading the newspaper about all the 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 nominees, and they could barely fit them in the little space that they typically go in. Right. So it was different, and it was people were all up in arms about it. And I, I think there's always been some like exclusivity to the Oscars, especially for the best picture spots. So I'm not really sure if this is helpful or hurtful. I always think that inclusivity is good, but I also think maybe it takes away from the prestige a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like then. I'm glad that they like draw like drew a solid line. Right. Because if you think about how many movies come out in one year, uh, top ten is definitely a list. Yeah, and the Oscars, I think it's pretty much admitted that they want to put some blockbusters in here to to get a more mass audience. Like this year, I mean, what's the biggest blockbuster? You mean there's no way Fast Nine gets in. Black Widow for. For, for the hell of it. I don't think it's going to, but say Black Widow gets in, you're going to bring the Marvel crowd in. Correct. And you're going to bring in the people who love Scarlett Johansson in. So you're going to draw at least two different audiences. So that's a smart plan on their end because this last one was, you know, the it was lowest. an all the lowest ever. And obviously COVID impacted it because we had kind of a, I wouldn't say watered down year. I mean, it was kind of a watered down year. Well, it was sort of like you get what you get, not yeah. like you got to go out and see all these like indie movies, which is typically the case. Right. You, you were basically stuck with if your theater's open, you get to see it or you have to wait to stream it. Yeah. But I, I like the idea. I don't mind going to 10. I think it's I think it makes it more interesting because if, if a blockbuster is thrown in there, that could wrinkle things up and like a, a surefire winner could have a little bit. Uh, shake your ground to be on i would also hope that with the with the spreading of it typically typically there's a movie that sweeps at least 
three of like the five important categories. Yeah, like director, actor, actress, and then picture. And I think that those times should be done with because I don't think that that's fair. And I don't think that it's correct to say that one movie can provide you with all of those things compared to all the other movies. Yeah. So I think if that was the case in the past, that was because they didn't have enough of a span of films to look at. And I think that, straight up, just, like, not fair, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, why does that one project deserve so much when all these other projects are just as good? Right. So that'll be interesting to see next next, uh, spring or next uh, winter. So we'll obviously be talking about the nominees when it come when the time comes. Mm-hmm. So we've been watching like a ton of people. Loki on Disney Plus. It's already the most popular Marvel streaming series, and I think it's their most popular original content. Um, even more popular than the Mandalorian. It's That's part- odd. It is. It's it's their most watched show. Hmm. Well, it's Marvel. Marvel has a giant. Follow. I know Star Wars does, but Marvel has just a, a ginormous following now. But so far, I think the other one with Scarlet Witch was better. What's the name of that? WandaVision. Yeah, I think WandaVision was better so far, if you ask me. It was alright. It was fine. It was, it was good. It was good. But Loki, you know, came out a couple weeks ago. We There's four episodes, but we've only watched three. And there's six total, so we're halfway through the series. This show, I feel like, is it's a lot of exposition. I think it's... From what I've read about episode four and on, it's setting up like a ton of stuff for the next year, two years of Marvel movies. So that's going to be interesting. I think we're going to have some big cameos, but it makes me really appreciate. I really like Tom Hiddleston as Loki. He's one of the top three Marvel actors just because he's, you can tell he loves being like a a cheesy like fun villain like he he likes and he enjoys it so much yeah um and i also like seeing owen wilson in the mcu show or movie it's good to see him yeah i don't know so far i'm not super impressed i really enjoyed the second episode the first episode was intriguing the the second episode when you really got to see more owen wilson and when he goes into the portal to try to catch the other the variant which well maybe i'm getting my episodes mixed up what was the episode where where he saw like his life was that the first one yeah that was the first episode okay that one was intriguing Mm -hmm. because him like him coming to terms with the kind of villain that he was made him a more well-rounded person like more well-rounded character and then, of course, you have the whole world that you're being immersed into. But ever since then, I've just sort of felt like, okay, sure, what's yeah. next? I haven't, I haven't felt, like, a connection to him that much. Right. I'm not a big fan of the third episode, but I think that the third episode was a big exposition one or kind of filler one because I've heard shit gets crazy from here on out. Mm. Like, it gets real, like, it turns up to a whole new level after that episode. And the other interesting thing that has come out of this is that Loki is considered gender fluid. So I he's, love that. he's technically the first gender fluid character in the MCU. I love that because why why does it matter? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the obviously the goal of like these people that are not of this world isn't like the American dream. Right? Like, their goal isn't to, like, settle down and have a family. Mm-hmm. So, and even if it was, it still doesn't matter what gender they are. <clears throat> so, I think that's so cool. 
And I think that Marvel and Disney need to do more of that. I think they will, and I think they want to, but you still have the people who are bigoted and or it's against their religion and they just don't like it or, you know, they do the whole, well, I'm not going to watch. It's like, oh, boy, one viewer gone. Yeah, bye. Shut down Disney World. You're, you're not, oh, shut down Disney, sell them to Apple. You know, I think Marvel's going to move that, going to be moving forward. It's going to be interesting to see, especially with, like, the Eternals. I think that's going to be a more weird movie, not with gender or anything, but I think it's going to be a more unique movie. And you have a bunch of other villains coming out. You know, we're about to see a bunch of big-name stars coming. So I think Loki is kind of the transition from the kind of what we used to know in the first three and a half phases to what's going to be a much different MCU from here on out, if that makes sense. Yeah, my... And I'm all for it. Yeah, like, let's transition that, absolutely. Basically, this saying, let's get weird. And it kind of was started with Guardians of the Galaxy, because on paper, if you told me a talking tree, a talking raccoon, and, like, a green lady, and a, a kind of a dark gray-blue uh, red-eyed man and a normal human being are, like, this tag-team duo or this tag team group, I would be like, huh, that sounds pretty dumb. But it was, like, one of the best MCU movies ever made. I think that just goes to show, like, and I think that's what the point of this might be in so- on some level, mm-hmm. is that, like, you just named a bunch of different species. Obviously, they're not real, they're fictitious, but they're species who all have connections and all have, uh, un- you know, what end up being close friendships. Yeah. So that kind of is, like, why can't Loki be different, you know? I he- agree. Like, he can be what, or, I'm sorry, not he, they can be whatever they want to be. Right. And this has a lot of impact on the MCU, not just because of, you know, what is going on in the show, but um, the creator of the show, Michael Waldron, I listened to an interview with him on Lights, Camera, Barstool. He is, he has his hand in, like, the next Doctor Strange movie, which tied into WandaVision a little bit, or which WandaVision ties into. Right. And um, he's... He's setting the expectations high for himself. He hopes he's made the best superhero movie ever with Doctor Strange 2, which I'm going to go ahead and say, sorry, it's not going to happen. But That's a pretty big saying. <laughs> but he does have Sam Raimi directing it, who made one of the best superhero movies ever in Spider-Man 2. So I get where he's coming from, and it's it's a lot better than going, well, you know, I just, I just want to make a movie that people find okay. At least he's got, like, the ambition to make it, try to make it something good. So... I'm curious to see what his influence in the MCU is from here on out. But we just want to touch on Loki, and I don't think we're going to really touch on it until we finish it in a couple weeks. So yeah. July, July 15th is the last episode. Oh, wow, that's not very long. No, it's only a six-episode season, and they're, they're going to do another one, apparently. Hmm, interesting. The next topic is we watched Rhea and the Last Dragon on Disney+. Plus. It is on there for free now. It was in theaters um, earlier this year and on Disney Plus Premier Access. But if you waited like three months, you were going to get to watch it for free, much like Cruella. And um, I'm sure Black Widow is going to be the exact same way. But um, this movie stars Kelly Marie Tran as Rhea, you know, like kind of a, a, war, a warrior princess who, who's tasked to guard a uh, dragon gem. Aquafina as Sisu, who is the dragon in the title. 
couple other actors, Daniel Day Kim from Lost and Benedict Wong, who is Wong in Doctor Strange, um, among others, and Sandra Oh, who from Grey's Anatomy, Invincible, etc. Um, the movie, it I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy it. It was very, a lot more original than I thought it would be. Yeah, I had no idea what to expect. Um, there's a lot of things, I mean, liberally speaking, that I really enjoyed. For, for one, it passes the Bechdel test, which if you don't know what that is, it's uh, two female characters talking about something other than a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was great. I think that... <clears throat> I think her being the leader and the main character was fantastic, especially because she was this, you know, warrior. And I think that Sisu and Aquafina being something that was, like, not necessarily gendered was cool as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a she. I think it was, like, that's a dragon. Right. You know? Um <clears throat> I mean, if we're being honest, I thought the baby was cool. The little fighting baby. That was neat. You liked that part, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it was just overall, like, a really good little plot. It was entertaining. It was entertaining. And it kept your it kept my interest. And yeah. a lot of animated movies don't do that. Like, The Boss Baby 2 coming out tomorrow. I could not give two shits about that movie. To be fair, you haven't seen either of them. I feel very confident saying I probably won't like The First Boss Baby. I wouldn't be so sure. It's actually funnier than you think, as far as kids' movies go. But anyway, um, I, I thought I thought it was just a really well done movie, like a good story. You know, it's ba- you, you kind of know what's going to happen. You know, like most animated Disney movies, you know what's going to happen. But like it goes, it it's the plot has moved forward in a very nice way, and it's very tight too. It's lean. Yeah, there wasn't really, like, much fluff, which I think was good, but mm-hmm. still within that tight timeline, they were able to explore the little personalities that all the little team that she put together had. Yeah. Um, and I think it had an important lesson, which is trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Kelly Marie Tran was pretty good as Rhea, and Aquafina was good. Yeah. Um... You might remember Kelly Marie Tran as Rose from The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. Her character is pretty much put to the side after Last Jedi. But, uh, you know, Kelly Marie Tran got a lot of hate for no reason on that part. It wasn't her fault, but... Um, that's still not a good part, but yeah, that's not on her. Yeah, it wasn't a good character in my opinion, but that's not her fault. So, she's just there to read her lines and defend her role. And... Um, yeah, I, I just, I really enjoyed the movie. It was a pleasant surprise. I didn't think I'd care for it, but I ended up watching it with you, and I was like, wow, it was decent. That was worth my time. I agree completely. And if you can get that out like of me. I don't think it's my favorite or anything, but I think I think it's got some room to grow on me. Yeah. Honestly, it's probably, besides Soul, one of my favorites that I've seen from Disney um, in a few years. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, speaking of... Disney movies. Another one that we watched um, the weekend it came out was Luca on Disney+. Plus. It is a Pixar movie. Um, it is the last Disney Pixar movie that will be released on Disney+. Plus. You know, it started in the pandemic when Onward came out. It was like a week or two, then all of a sudden they shut down the world. All the theaters were done, and Disney's like, okay, Onward's on Disney+, Plus for free. 
Pixar's like, whatever, nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. Soul, I think Pixar was a little annoyed that they didn't put it in theaters, but it was Christmas time, and we really didn't have a hold on COVID, and the vaccines were just starting to roll out. So I I think it was smart of Disney to say, we got to put this one on Disney Plus Christmas Day. Tons of people are going to watch it, and tons of people did. Mm-hmm. This one, I don't think it's that great of a Pixar movie. It's definitely in their bottom tier, and... I I get... Pixar was apparently really pissed that they didn't release this in theaters. It, at least in America. It is overseas. But it's not making, like, any money. So, I can kind of see both sides. Like, I can see Pixar because, you know, you, they are a staple. Like, every year, you're guaranteed a Pixar theatrical experience. You know, almost every year. Yeah. Pretty regularly. I think it is every year almost at this point. And... Hmm. Well, you know, they had two last year, Onward and Soul. You know, they, they almost turn out two movies a year. Um, Maybe they need to slow down and focus on quality. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about for a sec before we move on. But, um, you know, Luca's about um, two, two kids that are sea monsters in Italy that when they go above water, they are just, you know, regular teenage boys. And they befriend a young girl who's kind of an outcast and her dad and they they kind of go on these hijinks and like they encounter a, he's basically just a dickhead bully. He's just, he's a piece of shit. He is. He's an asshole. I like how you're so mad at him. Well, he's just a dickhead. And I kind of like that Pixar just made him a jerk with no redeeming quality. As opposed to at the end, like, you know what? I'm going to help you win this race. He's like, no, screw you guys. I'm still going to win it. I kind of like that. It was a little, it was a little bit refreshing, but I give the movie a 50. I did not care for it. I was bored as hell watching it it lacked the pixar touch in my opinion there's there's that one one or two moments in every pixar movie that makes you like it grabs you by the heart and is like like uh bart in the simpsons when he has a crush on an older girl and she in a fantasy or not a fantasy but a nightmare she rips his heart out and throws it in the trash that's what it feels like pixar can do to you I didn't feel that with Luca. I did not feel the Pixar charm. It what it lacked was character development. Hmm. Yeah, I, I could see that. I did not care what happened to these characters. I want. I mean, the the base of the story is they enter this race with this girl, right? Mm-hmm. Like a triathlon sort of thing. So, did I want them to win? Yeah, because like Luca said, the other kid was a dick. But that's not a good enough reason to, like, keep watching and keep rooting. Mm. That was, like, just enough of a reason. It wasn't, like, it wasn't a great reason. Yeah, it's like, I think they tried, I think there's two moments in the movie where they tried to, like, put the charm and the heartbreak on you. Is when Luca betrays him and says he's a sea monster that they're looking for. But in order and, and in then, order to feel that type of betrayal, you have to have the connection to the one that's being betrayed. Right. And, and, so that's why it didn't have the impact it should have had. And then at the end, when Luca goes off to school with her, is you know it's like, oh, you know you, that that was supposed to be I think a, a tear up moment, and it wasn't. It's was like okay, he's going to school. I was cool. like, that's nice. Yeah, like up, you know, obviously the first five minutes really right in, but then you have just amazing moments throughout it, like you know Doug saying, I, I stayed here because I, you know, you are my master and I love you. When he's on the 
when he's on the house when it's floating in the air again. Right. Well, and yeah, I mean, that's cute and that's funny, but then also then you have the, the, the part... Go make your own adventure, you know, when he reads the book that Ellie made him. Yeah, but even, like, just with Doug in particular, his character <laughs> development is that yeah. the other dogs are dicks to him. Right. So then you feel bad for him. Right. And you understand why he sought out other people. Yeah. And, like, the same thing <clears throat> with, like, with Carl. You know, you're like, what's his fucking deal? Like, this... Balloon Jerry. Yeah, he, this old man has a corn cob up his ass he needs to get it removed and then he softens you know mm-hmm. and same thing and then you with russell and even with uh kevin a little bit who's a bird that has no freaking lines <laughs> you know all of those characters have development throughout the film right this one had a plot but no character development no none and um, sorry no go ahead i applaud it in a way because I do think it is a metaphor for being your ding dong self. Being your ding dong self, um, almost a little bit more specifically, because I do think when they're all in the town and they're realizing that they are uh, sea monsters and not just regular kids, I think it's more of a correlation to coming out as as in somebody in the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have said that, but. Um, But I don't, it just, it almost, that makes it worse because if this made it, if, if there was supposed to be a Pixar movie that depicted that important part of that culture, it should have been better than this. Yeah. So that makes me irritated. This movie was in production for a very long time too. So I wonder if it underwent just a ton of changes. Cause I mean, we I think I'd heard of it like five or six years ago, and it just was kind of, you know, I wouldn't say put to the side, but I can see why Disney went, okay, we're just going to plop this on Disney+. Plus Because it came out in mid-June, theaters are open, the whole country's back open. There's no excuse, there, and you know, there, what, there could be no excuse to the, for them to go, you know what, we're going to sink or swim, we're going to put it in theaters. But... I can see. It is a lower tier Pixar movie. It is on the level of Cars 3, Cars 2, The Good Dinosaur, Cars, yeah. the whole Cars trilogy. Um, a couple other ones that I'm forgetting. Toy Story 4, etc. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I don't like Toy Story 4. I yeah, will never, never like it. But it's, you know, at the same time, it's not a horrible movie. But like in terms of the standard I hold Pixar and I hold Disney Pixar up to, it falls way below the bar. Especially since we saw this movie and Rhea and the Last Dragon so like close within, to each within other. Within a day of each other. It was, it was, Rhea was significantly better. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that, I didn't think that would be the case. I thought it would be the opposite. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I agree. So, that's our thoughts on Luca. We are going to touch on, um, we're not going to touch, I think we're going to be discussing it for a little bit. We burned through the HBO Max miniseries, The uh, Mayor of Easttown, starring Kate Winslet as Mayor Sheehan, a cop in Easttown, um, Pennsylvania, who has a lot of skeletons in her closet, has a lot of issues, is messed up, but um, she's a she's a fantastic detective. Like it, it, that's kind of what you get from the whole show. It's like she's really good at her job, but also can be really bad at her job too. Um, I don't think bad at her job, but, like, like, uses maybe 
her her badge to get away with things she shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Um, it was created by, made by Greg, Craig Zobel, who did the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Um, or no, sorry, Westworld. He was part of Westworld, I apologize. Not Chernobyl. He was part of Westworld and The Leftovers. So, you know, I liked the first two seasons of Westworld, and I loved The Leftovers. And this show was phenomenal. Talk about it was flow, talk about flow. Talk about ink. story. Talk about the acting. I mean, come on, all of it was just amazing. And it, I didn't want to watch this at first. Right, I watched the first episode, two episodes, and then I told Cassie, "You got to watch it. You need to watch it." Because it looks it looks boring, to be <laughs> honest. It looks like a something I've seen time and time again. It, it looks like it's the story of. Oh, this detective's from this town, and, you know, she's had some hard times in her life, but she's going to crack this case of a missing girl. Right. Right? And, like, on the very surface level, that is what it is, but the way that the story is told, the the drama, the ins and outs, the secrets, the parts that you don't know, I mean, I don't think you could guess the ending. No. Even if you tried. There was parts that I guessed that were correct, but not the whole picture. And every single episode left you wanting so much more. Like, oh gosh, I cannot wait to see what happens next. Yeah, like we, there was one night, we started at like 7, and we were like, okay, we can do one more. And then we looked at the clock and we're like, we gotta do one more. I think we stayed up till 11. And like, 10.30, we stayed up till 10.30 typically watching. Typically, we're in bed at 9 o'clock. Like, yeah. so that was a big deal for us. And Kate Winslet, I've always thought was a fantastic actress. I think she's a two-time Oscar winner, or no, one one-time Oscar winner. Many-time nominee. Ton, I think she's been nominated. I counted it uh, like seven times. Yeah, she's been nominated seven times. She's brilliant. She won for the Reader. She's been nominated for Sense and Sensibility, Titanic, Iris, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I, which I still need to see. Oh, you'll like that one. Little Children and Steve Jobs, which I forgot she was in, which I actually enjoy that movie. I did too. Um, that, that's a really good movie. I, I might have to revisit that, just if I'm bored. But, I, it shows her versatility, like, she's a British actress, you know, who is, you know, in Titanic was Goody Two-Shoes, Rose, and, and for the most part, Goody Two-Shoes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify her as that, but continue. High class Rose. A rich girl wanting to break out of her shell. Yes, rich girl discovering life, Rose. And here we are 24 years later, and she's doing this role where it's like, you. she just disappears into it. Like, she doesn't wear makeup or anything. Like, she was very... It's interesting because as crappy as they tried to make her look, she's still gorgeous. Yeah, like, she's still very pretty, and it's like, you know, she's sitting there with, like, her... She's got, like, a little bit of a gut, and I'm like, Kate Winslet's very pretty. But you know what's interesting is, like, probably if you saw her in real life, you wouldn't think she has a gut, but because she's on TV, she appears that way. Yeah. It was just an incredible show, and I I can't rave about enough. Yeah, go watch this, please. It's It's one of the best shows in the last five, ten years that HBO's put out. Like, it's, and I hope another, it's... It was intended as a one-off, but Kate Winslet has been very vocal as saying, I would love to come back to the character. So I think 
if you watch where the show ended, we're not going to spoil it because, I mean, yeah, it's been about a month since it ended, but it's still pretty new. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people have seen it. I think you're going to want... I think you're going to want... Um, you're going to want to see more. Yeah, I mean, it just in fantastic acting and writing, too. Like, Evan Peters is... Oh, my god. He's so good. He's so good in the show. The fact that Evan Peters can play the role that he played in this, which was, like... Nuts. Young, lovable... Detective. <laughs> detective, I guess. And then you can see him in American Horror Story being... I mean, just two of his characters he's played in that series are demented, homicidal maniacs. He's got and, the look of a killer, too. But he, like, he transforms well. He's a very talented actor. But yeah, it's got Evan Peters, Gene Smart. Gene Smart's really good at The it. guy who plays Roy in yep. The Office. Roy from the, who looks very good with a thick, he's got a nice thick beard. He looks, and he's got glasses too. He looks pretty good. Not as good with the hair, the yeah, non-hair. He's, he's balding, but he looks good for his age. And I think that's about, and you have Guy Pierce who I enjoy, but Cassie doesn't like him. I absolutely cannot stand that motherfucker. He has a horrible haircut in the show. He has a professor's horrible haircut. Horrible haircut. It is a school teacher's haircut, for sure. Horrible. I'm not trying to stereotype school teachers out there, but he looks like a, he looks like a college professor. He looks like he my looks, old history teacher He looks like the college professor that would try to get girls to come to his office hours. <laughs> uh, but he's, he, I will say, spoiler, he is a good guy in the show. We don't know that yet. I think he is. He That's is a neither good guy. confirmed nor denied. Whatever, but um, I think it's previous book. Check it out, Mayor of Easttown, HBO Max. It is worth your time. It it got me right away. Like within ten minutes, I was hooked, and I didn't want to stop watching. Absolutely, and like I said, I I didn't think I would like it. I came in with a bad attitude, left with a great one. <laughs> and here we are. We teased it a couple weeks ago. Oh, boy. We went to the IMAX theater. We got to enjoy F9, hmm. the fast Before saga. we get into it, can we just talk about the IMAX for a second? Go ahead. I'll let you talk. We're spoiled now because of the recliners. <laughs> Almost every theater that is in America now has reclining seats. That's the new big thing, right? Um, so to go into the IMAX, which is a traditional theater setting sucks and i'll just say it it fucking sucks i would pay more money per ticket to actually have space around me and my party like it's just it's not enjoy like for the first time and i mean i know like covid and all that but like somebody kicked my seat on accident didn't like that i had to hold my popcorn bucket on my lap didn't like that I didn't have that cool little table to put my purse on. Like, it just, they're little things, but, like, it adds to the experience, you know? <laughs> and for, like, for us to feel like we were, like, cramped the whole time, I don't know. It just, I think that, and it's not, it's not the theater's fault, though, I want to say. It's not Celebration's fault. But I do think that IMAX itself needs to get its head out of its ass and realize that they can just charge more per ticket if they have actually nice seats. I don't know if they're going to do that. They're not going to because they're freaking dumb. But they should. And they might they might have a low capacity enough to where people prefer to go to their reclining seats. You're guess, there You're there to enjoy yourself. I guess we'll see. But um, anyway, we went and saw F9, the Fast Saga, a.k.a. Fast and Furious 9, the ninth 
mainline movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. It is the direct sequel to Fate of the Furious. Um, and it was directed by Justin Lin, who came back after... He directed Tokyo Drift. He directed Fast and Furious, which is the fourth movie. Fast Five and Fast and Furious Six. So he directed four movies before this. So he knows what he's getting himself into. And, um, you know, it brings back Finn Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris. Uh, Jordana Brewster came back as Mia Toretto, or Mia O'Connor. Um, Brian O'Connor. R.I.P. Paul Walker. By all accounts, great man. Loved in Hollywood. And I'm going to get to that. Get to Paul Walker in a little bit. Brings back a couple other people. Helen Mirren, who was in Hobbs and Shaw and Fate of the Furious. Or not, she wasn't in Hobbs and Shaw. No shit, she wasn't. And uh, Charlize Theron with an awful haircut who looks like Lloyd Christmas in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> um, she looks awful. and But she is very pretty, but she's... The haircut, good lord, it doesn't help. To be fair, I'm pretty sure her haircut is very, like... Masculine. Yeah. And I think that was sort of the point. Right. Like, masculine chic, maybe, is a good way to say it. Because she also... Dolled it up with like the makeup and the earrings, so it wasn't. It wasn't like she was just trying to look ugly. I think it was just like a very, a very decisive choice for the character. I watched Fate of the Furious before this one came out, and I think this one was better than Fate of the Furious. I I give this one an eighty out of a hundred. I thought it was very entertaining, and it was really really damn stupid. But I had so many laugh out loud, enjoyed the shit out of this movie. It was very enjoyable. So entertaining. But I have two gripes with it. Like you said, John Cena, not good. Horrible actor. I think it's it's half him being bad at this. He should not do action like this. If he has to do action, he needs a good script. Because the script did not help him. Because literally half of his lines are... This is not your world, Dom. Stay out of it. This is my world. And, you know, they didn't they, they didn't do him any favors. Because John Cena has proven himself to be funny in some movies. Like, yeah. in the new Suicide Squad trailer for that movie coming out next month. He, I think he's going to be one of the funniest parts of the movie. Like, if you give him a good script, I think he's going to deliver. But, he was not good as Jacob Toretto, the retconned younger brother of Dom Toretto, who we have never seen or been hinted at in any movie, not even the first Fast and the Furious, since since the beginning. So they just literally made up someone and retconned him before Fast and Furious uh, 1. And I I mean, I'm just going to say the movie, they go to space at the end. I remember saying it, I think last year I said I hope they go to outer space. They went, they went to outer space. They went Yeah, to, you said it, and then, like, the trailer came out, and it was... Like, I about shit my pants. <laughs> I about shit my pants. I'm like, what? Because I... Like, you see the rocket strapped to the pine fear, and then it, psh, it blasts off. I'm like, oh, my God. I called it. <laughs> and... And you called it, like, as a joke. Like... Well, I was like, that's the only logical next step, is for them to do something, either going to the moon or going to, like, the outside of our atmosphere. And they did it with the Tokyo Drift guys, which, look, this movie has a huge universe. It's insane how many freaking characters are in the Fast and Furious, the family. 
It not seems like friends, family. I don't got like the intro of this pod. I don't got <laughs> friends. I got family. But like, you know, Deckard Shock. You know, Han was dead. You know, he's alive though. They explain in the movie. Deckard Shock kills freaking uh, Han, one of the most beloved characters in the franchise, and he's welcome to the family. Like in Fate of the Furious, he saves. He saves Dom's young baby, uh, Brian Toretto, uh, from Cypher, Charlize Theron. So it's just weird. It's like if you kill someone close to them, it's like you just have to go to a Vin Diesel's character and go, come on, man, I'm sorry. And he just goes, you're good. And I wish they said the line. I love One of my favorite lines in the whole series is, you can have any beer you want as long as it's a Corona. Oh my gosh. I need to watch the whole series one. Like, go through it in like two weeks. Like, just watch one every day. But. There is a lot of forgiveness within the characters, though, which I kind of think is messy writing to an extent. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why, honestly, it was so, like, interesting for this one because Dom is sort of a character who, like, can get mad, but then, like, understands where the person was coming from. And he wasn't like that with his brother in this movie. No, Until he like was. He was an asshole to his brother. Yeah, and I think that he. <coughs> Jacob, are we doing spoilers or no? You know what? I'll put spoiler tag right here to avoid spoilers for Fast Nine. Honestly, just end the pod. Thanks. Bye. So okay, let's go. So Dom is mad because he discovers. I don't know. A couple years after it happened, that. His brother actually, like, put a faulty part in the race car that his dad was driving when he died. He thought he thought he sabotaged the race so he could kill his dad. And I feel like if they were, like, true brothers, he would have tried to talk to him and understand what happened. Mm-hmm. Instead of just, like, you're not part of this family anymore. Well, remember he did the drag race and he's like, if, yeah. I, if I win, you drive and you don't look back. If, if you win... Uh, you get my car or some shit. <laughs> or you're back in the family. Yeah. Or you get to stay. Yeah. I I don't know. I just feel like that wasn't really part of his character. That makes me think it's lazy writing. Obviously, they needed to have like a beef to have a little bit of a story, a little bit of drama. But I don't know. It felt I, a little forced. I'm not. I'm not coming to these movies for a, a great story. I'm I mean, coming that's for. That's a good point. I I'm just, coming for the visual porn. Like it is porn for the eyes. But like, okay, I think that they, for the action span. I mean, I think that they could have though made that perfectly nice, plausible storyline with the actors that they had, because the fun and the obnoxiousness can come from like the physical. Like, the, the anti-physics things that they do. Sure. Like, obviously, a car can't drive on a bridge if it's falling down the side of a cliff, okay? That's not something that can happen. <laughs> that was so awesome. That is so not how gravity works. <laughs> but, like, that's the funny part, right? <laughs> and the right? best part that's is Ludacris fun. says we just need to respect the laws of physics. As I they're know. in a fucking Pontiac Fiero about to be shot into space. <laughs> With a, yeah, with a like, rocket ship attached and engine attached to it. And, you know, like, Han being... Han was killed in Fast and Furious 6 at the end. Like, he was dead. Uh, but, of course, you don't see him. You just see the car blowing up. They retcon his death by saying Mr. Nobody. Um, 
made him like basically a badass undercover agent, which is cool. Like right, so they I always set, enjoyed Han in they the just movies. Set his death up so that he could be right. Technically dead. It's it's like the the Fast and Furious universe is like the MCU. No one's truly dead. Right. Um, and I, I and I thought the the not the villain, but the guy who was helping Jacob, like the little British prick, he was one of the worst characters I've ever seen in a movie. He just added nothing to it. Like, he... oh, hopefully my dad can help us get more money, eh? <laughs> and John Cena's like, just shut the hell up. He's literally just like, shut the hell up, dude. The part he did play was, I think, bringing them close together at the end. Because when he turned on John Cena, then that was like the key or whatever. As John Cena's Supra is getting eaten alive by a big giant tank vehicle. And he just jumps into uh, on, onto Don's, Dom's car. Yeah. I love that shit so much. And Charlize Theron was the one who, like, pushed the British guy. She was the puppet. She? She was, like, the puppeteer. Jacob thought he was the puppet master, but she was. Yeah. And the puppet is the the young British guy, Otto. I think that was his name. And you have a a cameo from good old Yondu, Michael Rooker, as uh, Buddy. That was cool. I liked that. Great name. But um, he basically is there to kind of help Dom realize, hey, you're being a little harsh to this dude. Like, he, he wants nothing. I, deep down, you can't, I think you could tell sometimes, Jacob just wanted to be loved by Dom. I think there was a lot of resentment, and it's like, And their dude, dad. Dude, like, dad didn't want to tell you because you'd be such an asshole about it. Like, and it, it turns out uh, Dom's dad owed money, and he had to rig the race to where he wouldn't win. So, Jacob messed with the engine by request of their father. By request of their father, but um, the, the the car blowing up was not his fault. That was yes. not him. That that was someone else sabotaging it. Right? Someone sabotaged no, it. No, I think it was no, like... it was just... It was like it was they, coincidence. they didn't know that, like, something was leaking at the right. time. Like, yeah, there was another leak, and yeah. he, just, he just messed with the part to slow him down. But then all of a sudden there was a fuel line leak that they didn't know about. And that caused the car to explode. Yeah, well, he crashed and he was dead on the scene. Um, the seed, or the uh, younger versions of Dom and Jacob, I feel bad for those actors because they were put in a bad spot. They do not look... Like, this is the Dom, literally... The Dom guy isn't that bad, but the John Cena one is a horrible actor. The, the Dom one, why the hell didn't they just de-age Vin Diesel? Because Fast and, Fu- Fast and Furious 1... Is maybe two years after that, two or three years after that, just de-age Vin Diesel. It looks look shitty, but I'd much rather watch him and a young, a de-age, I don't know how you de-age John Cena because he's such a giant, but like, just try to de-age them. Yeah. Like, just do that. I would, it just threw me off whenever they came, yeah, his, John Cena's younger version was really bad. Maybe that was part of it, though. Maybe, like, the si- like size and, like, their muscle had to do with it. Yeah, I guess they probably... I'm sure they thought about it, but they're, like, they're just too old and too big. Although, can't they just put it, like, on somebody else's body? Like Chris Evans and Captain America? Yeah. It, maybe it just cost. It might have been cheaper to pay an actor to do it for a day. and yeah. But, you know, and I want to talk about... I, I just... I have to wonder where they're going to go from here, because there's two more movies... Well, you've Vin been Diesel, wondering that for years, and they just keep making it up. Vin Diesel has said ten movies, but then all of a sudden an eleventh one popped up. They're planning on doing back-to-back shooting starting February. So, 
2023 and 4, we're getting Fast 10 and 11, which supposedly closes out the saga, which is fine. And then wait 5, 10 years, let someone else do it. But... Ugh, don't get me started. I have to wonder what what they do from here because we have been they have been to space and they have Universal has said they love a Jurassic Park crossover which no I will not like you do not touch Jurassic Park you leave it alone I do not want to see a dodge <laughs> I do Can't not see see down be like the dinosaurs I I do not want <laughs> to see family. I do not want to see Dom Toretto riding his Dodge Charger right next to uh blue in the raptor pack i will probably walk out of the damn theater <laughs> i have a limit with these movies and i i kind of hope they ground it down a little bit now i'm not saying go back to stealing vcrs like they were in fast one but like furious seven was the best one out of all these movies and fast five was because it was a heist movie furious seven was like they were trying to save the world, but like they were being hunted by, um, by Jason Statham the whole movie. You know, like I'll never forget the Fast and Furious Six post-credit scene where, dumb Toretto, I'm coming for you, and I was like the whole theater was like, oh my god, Jason Statham, like, okay, it ramped up even more, and I think you just need to keep everyone here. And Cypher has been established that I think she's going to be the fi- the villain for the final two movies. That's just good. She's just going to have to do something real shitty. And yeah. I, honestly, I think the she's way She's going to kill someone. She's going to kill someone for good. The way they could honestly amp it up would be bringing Brian back somehow. That's what I was... Okay, I'm going to say... That would have to be... I want to talk about that, but I'll let you go That would have to for... be the big thing. Like, her... <sighs> Her doing something bad enough to where Brian has to come out of Killing retirement. Killing Mia. Mia. That would take it. Letty. But, or Letty, yeah. But like She's already died once. Well, I just want to say, before I, we, I touch on Paul Walker, because that's going to have a long conversation, I think this movie missed The Rock. We needed The Rock in it. And Vin Diesel and him need to stop being bitches. And supposedly they squashed their beef, but... Um, I, I think I think you need to get The Rock on the set for Fast 10 11. You need to make it fucking work. Because The Rock brings more to the movie. He really does. Yeah. Because he was barely in Fast 8. Or no, he was in Fast 8 a lot. But, I don't know, Hobbs and Shaw was so much better than Fast 8. I really enjoy Hobbs and Shaw. Like, that's what I want out of Fast 10 11. But, um, Paul Walker... You know, he died during pre- during production of Furious 7. Uh, tra- horrible, awful accident. And, um, you know, they delayed Furious 7 for almost a year trying to figure out what the hell to do. They almost canceled the movie and were like, we just need to start over. But they to finish the movie, which, they, which Vin and, and James Wan, who directed it, and Universal decided to do his best, I think it's to preserve Paul Walker's legacy and... I would have finished it too. Um, they brought in Paul Walker's. He has two twin brothers, it's about the same build as him, and they just CGI'd his face and used dialogue from old movies. So he's not he's not a triplet. He has a set of twin brothers. From what I believe, yes. Um, Caleb and Cody. Wait, wait, hold on. I mean, his build like isn't that unique. Like yeah, it's they're fair, two younger it's siblings. Fairly average, so I feel like that wouldn't be that difficult. 
Right. I mean, you could tell that it was a body double at the end of Fury 7. Like, that really, that beautiful tribute to him where Vin Diesel is driving in a car and he's driving in a car. And it's that Charlie Puth and Wiz Khalifa song, See You Again. Which, like, and still to this day, nobody hears that song and doesn't think I of instantly, Paul Walker. I instantly had the flashback. Yeah. Because I teared up at that moment because I enjoyed everything that I saw Paul Walker in. Like, he never made a movie bad. And and, and I always, I've said this twice, he's... he's he was very well respected and loved in Hollywood. And that makes me appreciate an actor even more. It's like, if you're a good person too, yeah, I like your movie. I will, I will be more relaxed on judging you as an actor and as a movie. But I think with fast 10, 11, you have to get Caleb and Cody Walker on set and you digit, you digitize Paul's face on him. Yeah. And you know what? It gives them money. It gives Paul Walker's daughter some more money. And, and she's she's set for life. I'm sure she gets royalties because I know Vin yeah. Diesel wouldn't betray her. Obviously, it can't be like a huge role. It can't no. be like he's been in the other. He can ones. be in it though. But he can be in it for like I don't know, maybe like a few scenes, and they can like shoot. You know what they could do? They could make it so he wouldn't be leaving, but they could put him on like a Zoom or something. Or it could be like. Or over the phone, or you know, I don't FaceTime. Know I, if they put it on the screen, that's a smaller scale that they have to do it for. It makes it. Uh, I think look we're going to see Paul Walker in the next two movies. If not, if not Fast Ten, the final one, Fast Eleven. I think you're going to see him in this movie because they talked about him in this movie. And to be honest with you guys, I thought that he was dead in the movie as well. No, and it's and that's because they haven't talked about him for a couple movies, he's, which he's I understand. But they just sort of like oh. He, he can't come to this important event because he's at home. I, and, I think... And I, and it's not that believable. Well, because you couldn't give Paul Walker's character the death he would deserve because Paul Walker's character, I think, was sort of the audience in the movies. He was the, one of the most grounded characters. He never did anything Superman-ish. He was just a guy with a gun, knew how to beat people up and drive a fast car. And like, was a former cop. Yeah, and he was a, form, he was, he was a CIA agent. Like, he knew what he was, or FBI agent, he knew what he was doing, and you just couldn't give that character the send-off he deserved, and I think Furious 7 at the end was a great send-off, and they retired his character, which I get, because, you know, they said in this movie, Brian's watching the kids, and it's like, it makes sense, who would you want watching the kids, Mia? Now, no disrespect to her. But Brian is a trained FBI agent who knows how to handle weapons and right, combat. Right, he could handle a situation. And, and Mia kicks some ass in this movie with Letty, but, like, I would, if I were Brian, I would be like, yeah, you go take care of this and I'll watch the kids. Now, it is weird that Dom's son is named Brian, in the, and that's what throws people off. Is like That's why it makes it seem like he's yeah, dead. That, that's what throws it's it like off. Because like a tribute to his legacy. Right. But they, I do notice that they made a point to say Little Brian. Little Brian, yeah. But I, I, I get it. It is a, I, I do like that. That I, is. I think, I don't know, I think they could have found some way to do it still. I think if they were going to digitally enhance it, is seven at all, then they could have like had some storyline in eight where he he died. And then... And then make that like part of the story. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think that's what most people would have done. I don't know what the hell their issue is. I know Justin Lin, who is, he directed Fast 9, he is directing 10 and 11. Um, which is good because I think Justin Lin knows the absurdness of these movies. And it felt, that Fast 9 wasn't as good as 5 and 6, but 
it felt more like it was going back to the original. Although the action got crazy, like beyond crazy. But he has said an art because people have been asking him, what will you bring Paul Walker back? And he said, he's, I read an article today. He's like, I think about it every day. I think about how we can do it. So it's going to happen yeah. now. It could happen on a large scale. If you have Brian or uh, Paul's brothers, basically you don't see their face as much and they're in action scenes like punching and hitting people. Mm-hmm. You can do that. And then just digitize his face like it's not going to look great, you know. But with the technology we have, it's not. It's going to look more noticeable. But I think he's an important character, and we need to see him in some way. Like he's still a part of this. And you, they hinted at him coming back because at the end of the movie, his Nissan uh, Skyline pulls up. Yeah, and they talk about an empty chair. And Vin looks, you know, does his. Uh, that smile and it's brian o'connor it is brian pulling up yeah and i think he will be in these movies to some extent now i think 11's the, the more sure bet than 10 but he will be he, he will be back and they can do it like they cgi'd carrie fisher for a scene you know in rogue one after she passed away rest in peace and they cgi'd a whole character in rogue one grand moff tarkin the actor been dead for like 30 years they CGI'd his face, and it looked decent. And you know, just I hope they don't go the Irishman route. But um, oh. that those are the two biggest things I want to see for Ten Eleven is you need the Rock back, you need more of Statham because I think Statham is just a badass all around, and you need Paul Walker back in some form. Those are my top three things I want for Ten Eleven because. I love Deckard Shaw, and I love Luke Hobbs together, and I, I hope we get another Hobbs and Shaw movie. I want more Cardi B. Oh, yeah, Cardi B's in this movie, and I let out an audible groan. Ah. Hey, 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 Dom, I got that thing for you, like, oh, it's like Larry David, shut up, okay, <laughs> shut the fuck up. I don't have anything personal against Cardi B, great story, what she came from, what she's made herself into, that's phenomenal. Just don't care for her as a rapper. I, but she got a bag and fixed her teeth, and I hope you hoes know that ain't cheap. That must be a lyric from her, and that's <laughs> that's fine. I don't care. I don't care for her as a person, or as a rapper. Excuse me. Um, I, yeah, I give this movie an eighty, and I, I wouldn't mind going to watch it again. Like if I'm bored and I have nothing to do, I would go watch it again. Like there was a guy behind us who was laughing with me. I almost wanted to be like, hey. Come sit next to me. Like, yeah. I'll move over. Let's move over. I'll, oh, you come. I was laughing with you. I guess I don't count. Well, no, I meant like I'm all, like if if it were not as crowded, been like, hey, let's let's all sit together. Mm-hmm. But he was laughing with with us. Excuse me. Mm, you're excused, kind he, of. He was laughing with us. And I'm like, man, this guy fucking gets these movies. Because there's like I read the reviews and it's like there's such an awful script and the action just absurd. No shit, Sherlock. I do I do think that they could have the absurd action and the script be decent still. Yeah. The emotional parts of the script. Yeah. And I think I think that lacks, and I think that they could do a better job with that. Right. Well, the Fast uh, Tokyo Drift through um, Fate of the Furious were written by one guy, Chris Morgan, who I envision having lines of cocaine on a desk, and he had Hot Wheels and Legos. 
like sitting there going, okay, Dom, Dom, I'm Cypher. I have your child. Oh, no, i got to turn my back on my family. And then I have a submarine and it comes up out of the water. Um, that's what I just envisioned, and that was cool to hear. Okay, that does sound like a five-year-old name of the story. That does sound cool that, like, one dude, we were, we were literally having one dude's, like, imagination board. For, for five movies, but he didn't write this one, and I think it was better in some aspects, but, like, my my top four things... And we're almost done. My top four things for Fast 10 before we go. Bring the Rock and Statham back. Bring Paul Walker back in some aspect. Ground it a little more into reality. I'm not saying go back to, like, Fast and Furious 1, 2, and 3, but ground it a little bit more and have more emotion, because... If you do it right, you could end Fast 11 with, like, tearjerker moments. If you do it right. Because I was 13 years old when the first one came out. I'm 33 now. These movies have been a huge part of my life, and I never thought they would be. But... I'm 33 years old. I, I, hope, I hope they end on a really good note. That's what I want, and that's what the series deserves, and that's what, like, Paul Walker's legacy deserves. So... Yeah. That's all I have to say on Fast 9. and. That's all I have to say about that. Do you have anything? Or are you done? Like just some just some closing statements and maybe what you want to see. I don't really care what they do. They're just fun. <laughs> I, get, I, don't, I mean, it's kind of hard to care about something that's that ridiculous, to be honest. Like, deeply care. Like, be passionate. Just don't do Jurassic Park. I will lose my fucking well, mind. Well, I think they can't do that because that's something that is supposed to be set in reality make it a solo movie like a one-off movie i think this is to most people this is not supposed to be set in reality i i do i do think that this script the emotional part of the script the relationships part of the script could be better without taking away from like the funniness that is the rest of the movie yeah like the humor was good right yeah i like the humor like, Tyrese and Ludacris were funny together. Oh, they're always, like, the best part of the movie. And if they killed them off, I probably wouldn't watch them anymore, to be honest. Well, and Tyrese is literally, like, the audience... Go- he was like, how the hell am I still alive? Like, he's starting <laughs> to question it, and it's like, yeah, we're kind of wondering that, he's too. He's like, am I invincible? Am I and invincible? And they're like, yeah, you might be. And then, then, because, like, then Vin- they mess with him. He's like, you don't believe me, do you? No, man, we don't fucking believe you. <laughs> Oh, and bring back Kurt Russell for these two. Um, he's he's good. Um, Honestly, I don't like Kurt Russell in that role. I think he, I think it's kind of dumb. You wanted to pop up as a like Captain Ron or the kid guy from Overboard or something? No, I just I just think he, I just think his whole character in Fast movies is that he's the excuse man. He's the excuse for everything. He's oh, good exposition. Oh, Han didn't actually die. It was fucking that dude. It was Kurt Russell. Well, oh, this person's alive. Fucking Kurt Russell. And bring back Helen Mirren. She she clearly loves doing this. Okay, yes. Helen, that would be the only part that I would be like very much an advocate for would be bring back Helen Mirren because she is one of my favorite parts. I want to see... You can tell she has the um, a correct amount of levity in her character and also she's having fun, but also she's not completely like unfathomable as a person. Right. Like, just the exact right amount of everything for that, for this movie. For I, these movies. I want to see Hattie Shaw, too. I want to see Vanessa Kirby back. Because I thought she was a good part of Hobbs and Shaw. 
Sure, I guess. Like, I just want to see the Shaw family because I think they make it better. Um, so we'll see what happens, and I'm sure in about a maybe next Christmas we'll have a Fast 10 trailer to talk about if if everything goes well. But, you know, I still like these movies. It's better than Fate of the Furious. I mean, I think the bar, I think the top three are Furious 7, Fast 5, and Fast 6. And then Fast and Furious 1 is right below them. So, it's not like these movies are mind thinkers. You know, it's not like you're supposed to break your mind. If you can turn your brain off and just enjoy these dumb, stupid movies for two hours and 15 minutes, you're going to have a really good time. If you can't turn your brain off, and there's some people who can't, just don't bother with it. Watch it on Peacock or something. Don't waste your money. But if you feel like it, spend the money. Support support local cinema and watch Fast and Furious. <laughs> I I just really enjoy them, and I'm going to talk. I, I like them more than Mission Impossible, and I like the Mission Impossible movies. Okay, she's telling me we got to go. So I will wrap this up. We will be back next week, I'm sure. we There's some movies coming out on HBO. And, you know, um, we will... I'm sure we're going to watch Black Widow in a couple weeks. But every time we talk about Black Widow, I think about that Iggy Azalea song called Black Widow. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Um, we will talk to you. Uh, enjoy the 4th of July weekend. Uh, be safe. If you light fireworks, don't light them off and, like, blow your hand off like Jason Pierre-Paul did for or the New York Giants a couple of years ago. Be safe. Also, like, don't tell them ridiculous times. Yeah, don't blow them off at, like, past mid... Past, like, 11 p.m. Like... Like, uh, not the 4th of July. Yeah, like, don't... Like, July 3rd, I'm okay with. 4th, I'm okay with. But, like, once it's past July 4th, don't do it. Don't be a dick to your neighbors. Yeah. If you live out in the country, go for it. But don't be a dickhead to your neighbors if you live in a plat like we do. Yep. But be safe... Um, have alcoholic beverages but do it in portions don't get too crazy and we will talk to you sometime next week bye